You're listening to the Bahai World News Service. One thing we've come to recognize is that Australian society is really rich in terms of its cultural, racial and religious diversity amongst many other aspects of what really characterizes this country as a multicultural nation. And so we've come to recognize social cohesion to be one of the prevalent discourses that our society is striving to um, unpack and advance. That's Venus Khalesi from Australia's Baha'i Community's External Affairs Office. She and her colleague Ida Walker spoke recently with the Baha'i World News Service about the power of consultation in their work. And we're really trying in these conversations with others to find language that can help the conversation tip in a direction which fosters unity and frees us from false dichotomies or assumptions about one another. And so when we've been looking at the themes within this discourse, um, we've explored certain characteristics like how do we define our identity? What are those elements that we have in common? What type of values and framework do we want to draw from when it comes to influencing our relationships with one another? And what is the place of the community or, for example, the role of religion and its potential to bind us? In this podcast episode, Ms. Khalesi and Ms. Walker talk about the Australian Baha'i community's participation in the national conversation around social cohesion. A government department in one part of the country has been hosting a series of forums on social cohesion. Since 2014, the Baha'i community has been participating in those forums, exploring with other religious groups how faith communities can contribute to social cohesion. You know, as a community, we really recognize that there are many organizations, individuals, academic bodies, and other faith communities who are really earnestly striving to contribute towards human development and understanding through their participation on the discourses of society. But the reality is that the issues facing society are really complex. And so our participation has been on, based on a mode which is characterised by posture of learning. So in being, in being part of this forum for religious leaders, we were really conscious in not coming in with any preconceived assumptions and that really unity was the goal of this space, but also a really core element of the process itself. So with this in mind, feeling very new to this space, we were able to consider that if the purpose of this forum is to assist in strengthening and safeguarding social cohesion in our country, then an important step would be for our office to have conversations with the government department and with religious leaders to see how we could lend assistance to these noble aspirations. And what has really emerged over the couple of years that we've been part of this space is a collective conviction that although religions have different practices, sacred texts, divine educators have appeared at different stages in humanity's history, our common purpose and responsibility as religious leaders is the same and that is to foster harmony and prosperity in our society, and not just through talking, not just through dialogue, but also through action. And in 2016, there was this opportunity in the forum to strengthen its process in which dialogue 
was taking place where information, concerns, challenges and needs could shift from a one-way dialogue to a collective conversation. So then the participants began consulting about the forum's vision statement and decided to refine it. And this refinement actually assisted the forum to move forward with renewed hope and energy and excitement and to emphasize its overarching purpose. There was also agreement that this would be an evolving document requiring ongoing iteration as our thinking and our experience evolved. And we observed that there was now a unity of vision and greater harmony between the government and religious leaders. And also there was an even greater opportunity to strengthen the fabric of relationships amongst the participants and how they could contribute their ideas and thoughts at the level of constructive dialogue so that progress could be achieved in this space. We were actually very open with um, those who were collaborating with us in these roundtables about the purpose of Baha'i consultation, the requisite qualities for engagement, and and how um, universal participation was really an important element. Uh, And we drew on on these principles so that we could have a collective inquiry into certain truths or realities, where everyone's input was owned by the whole, Um, to really examine it more closely and build on. And this framework then helped to become that foundation for building unity, not in a sense where there was uniformity of input, but rather the diversity of experience meant that light could be brought to bear in the discussions because there was an appreciation for the richness of perspectives. Um, And this really helped to unpack the complexities we were examining in our discussions. As a common vision emerged through consultation, it became very natural to introduce prayer into the government-organized space. So then, the Baha'i Office of External Affairs offered to host the Religious Leaders Forum at the Baha'i House of Worship in Sydney. In consultation with the government in the lead-up to that time, each religious leader was encouraged to bring a prayer or sacred reading to offer on the theme of peace and unity And we felt that this was a beautiful opportunity to do this in the hope that it would actually foster greater unity amongst all the participants as as it is on the House of Worship grounds. And so the consultations commence with a round of prayers and readings from each faith. The different religious groups participating saw how the qualities of humility, openness and diversity helped to create a unity of vision and a common conception of human identity. This united thought then led to unified action. I was just remembering one particular conversation that we had at a round table where the conversation really moved from identity politics and the need to hold difference at the centre of, of debate to the participants collectively describing our common humanity and nobility as the identity that we all share. And these participants, many who have actually never met with each other before or consulted on anything um, before either, really arrived to quite a beautiful conclusion that our country is actually in a stage of transition where at some point, you know, we are moving collectively to this identity which is an amalgam of the constructive and helpful aspects that we bring from culture, religion, or racial backgrounds. And to have reached this consensus, you know, all 
acknowledge that actually this process of dialogue that they were engaged in at that time is what is required to enable our country to reach that stage where we can articulate you know our collective identity and it was such a natural conversation where everyone is building on each other's ideas and asking questions and unpacking this concept of identity a lot more deeper and thoroughly. Bahola says that the maturity of the gift of understanding is made manif manifest through consultation and it really is the hallmark of um, a, a mature and you know, fair-minded soul um, when, when people can come together and really um, you know, shed light on certain complexities or try to figure out the way forward using it as a productive tool then it really is the means to be able to build a more peaceful and cohesive society, or it really can be one of the means to help us get there. Um, and so that's, that's why we place so much emphasis on it in the way in which we go about our work as Baha'is. You are listening to selections of an interview with Venus Khalesi and Ida Walker, representatives of the Baha'i community in Australia. To listen to more podcasts about the Baha'i community's participation in the discourses of society, visit news.baha'i.org. If you like this podcast, share it with your friends.